This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Clear Curriculum, your instructional design and training company specializing in enterprise resource planning. Phenomenal Foods by Chef Holly, creator of West Indian-inspired seasonings and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. U.S. Virgin Islands moving quickly to 100% renewable energy on St. Croix. October 2022 United Nations report, natural gas projects more costly than renewables. Royal Bahamas Defense Force, steps being taken to prepare for Haiti deployment. Rastafari Corporation wants legal license for cannabis cultivation in Dominica. Puerto Rico gambling legislation advances, seeks revenue to fill fiscal hole. Major airlines show interest in the British Virgin Islands. And Antigua and West Africa inaugural flight set to touch down on Independence Day. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup through Thursday, October 27th. We start a report today into U.S. Virgin Islands, where the Power Authority is moving quickly to 100% renewable energy on St. Croix. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority is seeking to transition to renewable energy in a large scale as quickly as possible as the authority executes one of its top items on U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan's agenda. The Virgin Islands Public Service Commission on Wednesday approved two qualifying facility applications, one submitted by Hogland VI and the other by Leeward Renewable Energy VI, whose parent company is based in Texas. At the last Public Service Commission board meeting in September, there were questions on whether Hogland VI was actually part of a request proposal process as no application had been received. Also at that meeting, it was noted that Leeward Energy was one of the more favorable options based on an initial analysis. Hogland VI was a local vendor, while Leeward Energy has a global presence, according to board members. Leeward Energy's application for two photovoltaic facilities with battery storage and backup on the island of St. Croix. This would include slightly bigger 3-megawatt photovoltaic facilities with battery power. While the locations for these facilities have not been finalized, potential sites have been identified for the project. Leeward Energy, according to its application, had already procured the necessary equipment, including sizable number of solar modules. The equipment would be available for immediate deployment, according to the consultant. Leeward Energy described itself as a growth-oriented renewable energy company that owns and operates a portfolio of 24 renewable energy facilities across nine states, totaling more than 2,500 megawatts of installed capacity. Hogland describes itself as a construction firm with affiliates and subsidiaries that provide civil infrastructure, energy, and storm restoration services. More news in the energy sector from the United Nations, where a recent report says natural gas projects more costlier than renewables. Crowder News reports, a United Nations report revealed that pursuing natural gas projects in Latin America and the Caribbean region is costlier than transitioning to renewable energy. 
At the launch of the report on Tuesday, October 25th, Wang Bello, head of the United Nations Environmental Program, in his efforts to persuade countries to stop the expansion of natural gas projects said, stop feeding the biggest threat we are facing as humankind. Bello also warned Latin America and Caribbean countries of the implications of the exploitation of natural gas and urged them to transition to renewable energy, which is a better, cheaper option for the region. In making his case, the author of the United Nations report titled, Is Natural Gas a Good Investment for Latin America and the Caribbean? assessed the implication in greenhouse gas emissions, cost and job creation of different power section options, natural gas and renewable energy. The United Nations Environmental Program is the world's leading environmental authority. It provides leadership and encourages joint work in caring for the environment, inspiring, informing, and empowering nations and peoples to improve their quality of life without compromising the future generations. The launch of the report comes at a time when the government of Guyana is pursuing an ambitious U.S. multi-billion Wales West Bank Demerara gas to energy project. The new report finds that an expansion of renewable energy source instead of continuing a fossil fuel path, even with what has been promoted as clean natural gas, would be a far better choice for the region in terms of costs, jobs, and greenhouse gas emission reductions. It finds, too, that investing in renewable energy largely outweigh economic, social, and climate benefits of natural gas for energy generation. According to the report, the region is responsible for 8.1% of greenhouse gas emissions. It stressed that in order to meet the Paris Agreement targets, the exploitation of new oil and gas fields must stop now. However, it pointed out that countries like Brazil, Argentina, and Mexico are increasing their fossil fuel investment and exploration, particularly in natural gas, while many other countries in the region, like Guyana, are planning new natural gas infrastructure projects. Highlighted in the report is that natural gas equals to climate risk and loss opportunities, whereas renewable energy equals climate action, higher employment, and economic outcomes. You're listening to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Next up, Royal Bahamas Defense Force says steps being taken to prepare for Haiti deployment. Tribune 242 reports the Royal Bahamas Defense Force Commodore Raymond King says officials are taking concrete steps to prepare Marines in the event troops are deployed to Haiti. Prime Minister of the Bahamas Philip Brave Davis recently said if CARICOM decides that the Haitian situation requires the deployment of security troops, then the Bahamas will aid by the outcome of the organization's resolution. Once that decision is made in collaboration with the United Nations, National Security Minister Wayne Monroe said the country will be ready, willing and able to deploy Royal Bahamas Defense Force Marines to the troubled state. 
Mr. King told the Tribune yesterday he hasn't received any official instruction as to Marines being deployed at this point, noting that the government will make the final call. It's going to be based on the context of CARICOM or the Organization of American States or the United Nations Security Council resolution, he added. In the meantime, steps have been taken to prepare in the event officers are deployed, Commodore King said. In September, CARICOM made a statement expressing concerns about the security situation and social circumstances in Haiti. The Bahamas Foreign Minister Fred Mitchell in September said the Davis administration agreed with CARICOM's statement, also acknowledging Haiti's need support. Now on to Jamaica, where its government initiatives are ongoing to facilitate ease of doing business. Jamaica Information Service reports the government continues to implement key initiatives aimed at increasing the ease of doing business in Jamaica. Jamaica's Minister of Industry, Investment and Commerce, Senator Aubin Hill, notes that we have been digitalizing our services with initiatives such as the National Business Portal, which Jamaica Promotions Corporation, JAMPRO, manages. The ministry is also targeting several key pieces of legislation that govern manufacturing and exports to affect changes where needed to spur increased economic activity, employment and growth, Senator Hill said. He was delivering the keynote address during the 13th Bureau of Standards Jamaica National Quality Awards Ceremony and Banquet held recently at the Jamaica Pegasus Hotel in New Kingston. Senator Hill cited ongoing interministerial collaborations aimed at ensuring that Jamaica's system processes and trade agreements facilitate cross-border commercial activity and ease of doing business. Key among the stakeholders are the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade and the Ministry of Finance and the Public Service. Senator Hill, who recently led a 38-member Jamaican delegation, largely comprising of private sector representatives on a business mission to Guyana, informed that collaborative opportunities in agribusiness, financial services, infrastructure, manufacturing, and professional services were being explored. Senator Hill noted that even as the government continues to foster an enabling business and environment, the private sector must be committed to making manufacturing products for export. He encouraged them to go and search overseas markets in the region and across the world. Now more than ever, we must capitalize on our proximity to North America. In this very room should be the next set of investors for their shoring as well as those who will commit to advancing the global services sector for Jamaica. We have seen remarkable growth in this industry with approximately 55,000 persons employed to more than 70 companies across the country, earning of approximately 2 billion U.S. dollars, according to the Industry Association, the minister added. Senator Hill challenged entrepreneurs with capital and access to this resource to utilize best practices and be guided by internationally recognized service standards to scale up their operations and expand their export reach. This is Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. 
Next up, Rastafari Corporation wants legal license for cannabis cultivation in Dominica. Dominica News Online reports president of the Rastafari Cooperative and chief cultivator of the cannabis farm industry in Jamaica. Dominica-born Tyrone Quincy Allen has shared the dream of his cooperative in receiving a license for the legal cultivation of cannabis in Dominica. Speaking on local radio Q95 in Dominica this week, Allen said the license could be given based on the cooperative skill and background in cultivating the herd. We believe that we are capable of managing a farm, a cannabis farm, he stated. According to Allen, based on ideas for the processing of cannabis production, such as oils and bombs in Dominica, the license will allow the cooperative to be one of the mass producers of cannabis on the island. The reality of Allen's dream coming true may not be far off, given the recent announcement by Prime Minister Roosevelt Skirrett on the radio program, Focus on Government and Development, that come 2023, Dominica will be in the position to develop a marijuana industry. In 2020, Parliament approved a bill for an act to decriminalize the possession of 28 grams, one ounce or less of cannabis. The Amendment to Drug Prevention of Misuse Act was passed in Parliament on Monday, October 26, 2020, for Dominicans 18 years and above. The government also recommended that a Dominican can cultivate no more than three cannabis plants at his or her place of residence. But for men like Rastafari elder and herbalist Ras Bobby Olavashi, more should be done when it comes to cannabis in Dominica. Also speaking on Q95, he argued that Dominica's culture is considered agrarian and cannabis can be seen as a food. Now on to Puerto Rico, where gambling legislation advances, seeks revenues to fill the school hole. Casino.org reports Puerto Rico has faced a number of financial difficulties in recent years. Now, as it struggles to find economic stability, a new era of gaming could be coming to ease the strain. The House approved legislation yesterday that seeks to amend various sections of Puerto Rico's Law of Gaming Machines. The goal is to raise more funds for the Treasury, as well as to subsidize a number of government projects that have faced cuts. Puerto Rico House lawmakers addressed the bill during their normal session, finally voting on it Tuesday night. It found an overwhelming support, with 33 votes in favor and just 10 against. The legislative piece, whose authors are Representatives Jose Rivera Madeira and Orlando Aponte Rosario, established a new amount of fees payable for certain gaming licenses. It also creates new scales for the acquisition of licenses and vary the distribution of revenues for the industry. This is Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. To share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Great news for the British Virgin Islands as major airlines show interest. 
BVI News reports British Virgin Islands Minister responsible for aviation services, Kai Reimer, has confirmed that some of the world's major commercial airlines are anxious to schedule flights to the British Virgin Islands once the territory implements the facilities to accommodate large aircrafts. According to the report, the British Virgin Islands has been losing potential tourists to some of its Caribbean neighbors due to the territory's lack of runway facilities to accommodate large jets. Speaking at the House of Assembly on October 25th, Reimer said he met with aviation representatives at the Routes World 2022 conference that was recently held in Las Vegas, United States. The eight airlines are local delegations met with were Southwest, JetBlue, Frontier Airlines, Sun Country Airlines, American Airlines, Air Canada, United Airlines, and Breeze, Reimer said. He said, some of the airlines expressed that the length of the runway at the BVI's main airport is a prohibitive factor, but are anxious to schedule flights here once this issue is addressed. We found a few that did not know as much as we would like them to know about the BVI as a potential destination for their services. But after speaking with our delegation and viewing our presentation, they got a fresh perspective, Reimer explained, adding that the BVI BVI is now on the radar of these airlines. He emphasized that the information garnered from the recent conference will help to inform the government as it continues to make plans to extend the runway at the Terrence B. Letson International Airport. In 2020, the Andrew Foy-led administration announced plans to expand the airport at a cost of $158 million. The expansion was expected to permit tourists and investors to fly nonstop to the BVI from major cities such as New York, Toronto, and London. The completion of the improvements was scheduled to be completed by the end of 2025. Still, the BVI continues to lose many tours to its U.S. Virgin Islands neighbor, which has facilities to accommodate larger aircrafts. Now, here is her final note. Antigua and West Africa inaugural flight set to touch down on Independence Day. Antigua Observer reports the historic first direct flight between Antigua and West Africa is now less than a week away, with the country gearing up to observe the milestone on its Day of Independence, November 1st. Despite some skepticism surrounding the initiative, the inaugural flight of Antigua Airways, a partnership between the government and Nigerian-based printing firm Marvelous Mike Press Limited, is scheduled to touch down at the VC Bird International Airport next Tuesday morning. Antigua and Barbuda's Prime Minister Gaston Brown confirmed the news while addressing Barbuda Member of Parliament Trevor Walker in Parliament on Monday. The information that we have had to date is that they're still on target to make their inaugural flight on November 1st at 8.30 a.m., arriving perhaps during the period of the independence celebrations, Brown said. It is unclear at this point how many passengers are expected to be on board the flight, which is set to depart Lagos on October 31st, before returning to Lagos on November 6th. The new airline has been touted by the government as a major investment coup for Antigua and Barbuda, with direct links to West Africa, having the potential for significant economic benefit. 
The carrier is also set to play a major role in boosting regional connectivity through a yet-to-be-finalized partnership with LIAT 2020. The Antigua and Barbuda Tourism Authority is planning the celebration for the historic flight, which will see the Tourism Minister Charles Max Fernandez welcome the passengers to the Twin Island Nation. While Marvelous Mike is financing the airline's operations, Antigua and Barbuda is tipped to receive 20% of the profits. This podcast is brought to you by Clear Curriculum, your instructional design and training company specializing in enterprise resource planning. Phenomenal foods by Chef Holly, creator of West Indian-inspired seasonings, and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, October 27th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.